You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. But yeah, the teething teething is not fun. Uh because they're just they're like different kids. They're grumpy and they they're they're just yep. harder to deal with. Eddie, do you see what you leave me with when you just leave me with <laughs> Bob and Josh? Yeah, my God, I almost just exited out. I, <laughs> I went in the got, other room for a minute and got it. my drink and came back in and they were still talking about kids. <laughs> I am recording this, just so you know. <laughs> I'm ready if you guys are ready. Sounds good. Bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. Alrighty, we are back. It is another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com, and the gang is all here. Where life is looking up, finally. I didn't think it would ever happen. I thought it would just be meltdown after meltdown on the Crimson Corner. But uh, we've gotten a little bit of good news lately, gentlemen. Uh, It's good to have you in now that OU has uh, filled the empty vacancy with Shane Beamer. And uh, good news on the transfer portal front that just seemed to be... I mean, it's like a windfall of of, of victories in in the portal all of a sudden when it just seemed like... For a while there, Oklahoma wasn't going to get shit. Ever again. In well, anything. I mean. Recruit, portal, coach. I, I should have had more news to tease through the weekend, you know, when nothing had really changed. I should have changed some stuff and everybody could have gotten up and down and really ridden the roller coaster. But instead, you know, people just yelled at me over the weekend. So it was it was a fun weekend for me. Yet yet again, even though OU lands a guy, I, Josh still got kicked around a little bit. Hold on. The United States is calling me right now. I'm sure I've got a cabinet position <laughs> opening oh, up. Lord. Uh, no. I. What do you get spam risk United States? Like, I'm not answering that. How? How does it at say what point United do they realize States? that their phone says, like, that when they call you, it says probable spam? Like, you'd think you'd be like, okay, time to change numbers. You would think so. Anyway, uh, it has been a, a roller coaster, Josh, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, you and I have uh, seen some shit um, and since the last time we've done a podcast. And some of it we had, uh, we had been planning for all this stuff to happen and then the bottom fell out and we can talk a little bit about that later if you want to uh i post about it on the board obviously with the uh his name has already been wiped from my memory tyson ford um going to notre dame and uh that was a really interesting situation and uh, basically we went from everyone bitching about how the site sucks and you know as usual when there's a meltdown we have no sources the site sucks 
to uh, a windfall. Wanya Morris, I mean, Wanya Morris is what started it. I mean, everyone had a meltdown about Wanya Morris, and then he committed to OU, and everybody just... Well, which is what we told everybody was coming the whole time, and I, I get that a lot of other people were, oh, it's back and forth, and it's super tremulous, and like... I mean, and don't get me wrong, A&M made a real run at him. There, there's no doubt. But the same people that told me on, like, Wednesday or Thursday of last week that this seems like Oklahoma never changed that story. It never once varied. It never was a problem. And like I said, I, I sometimes I, I think I'm I'm too practical for this job. Like, no, I, I don't I drum up the from. suspense yeah. as much as I probably could or should. You're not a carnival barker, and the, and the carnival barkers get a lot of attention. Yeah, and, and I mean, I get like, and I get that because when people do it, then they want to hear from us, and like, I, I appreciate that. That means, hey, you know, we, we know you guys are the ones we want to come to. You're the ones we want to hear this from, and I get that, and I really do appreciate it. But sometimes, like, it was just like, I there's just I, no I, patience. I would, no one has any patience anymore. It's no. Just, even if something, even if like he went to A and M and then he came to Oklahoma, he hadn't had time to be at Oklahoma to kind of solidify his commitment and make sure that's where he wanted to go. And that, but everybody between that time wanted information on what was going on. Like other than I don't know, he took a leak at three ten in the afternoon. Like, <laughs> well, okay. So a big part of it is a lot like the Savion Bird thing. As you remember that week before, I was saying, guys, I know all the smoke is for SMU. I, I get that that's all out there. But I know where it's coming from, too. And it's one source, and they're putting it out, and it's getting treated like, oh, it's this widespread news, everybody knows it. But it's all coming from the same place. So it's not like a bunch of people independently verifying. It is one place that's emitting all this information. What was basically happening was A&M was putting it in front of people that he was going to come into town, he was going to stay there, and then he was going to go to Houston and hang out with some of the A&M players and was never going to make the Oklahoma trip. Well, what is that based on other than hope? That's just hope. Like that that's not a fact. So he didn't do that. He uh, I mean he obviously went to A&M. He didn't go to Houston. He ended up going back to Dallas and went to Oklahoma. Just what he told Oklahoma he would do all along. And so it, it was just kind of like guys, I, I get why everyone's thinking that this is this oh everybody in college football is saying no, it's one person saying and a bunch of you know people repeating it. So it just, like I said, it was one of those things that sometimes you just you got to tap the brakes, relax a little bit, let something play out. Everybody, it, it's this constant like, oh well, somebody said this, so now Josh, you got to go shoot that down. Man, I can't call my sources twenty-seven times a day to shoot down every yeah, little thing and that's that a comes lot of times out. What people want is they want, yeah, minute by they minute. Were, it's, it's like they were trying to speak it into existence. Like if they said it enough, he would start believing that he wasn't going to go to Norman. Yeah. It, to, to my knowledge, that was never on the books. That was never going to happen. OU was the favorite. Now, maybe A&M turns his head enough on that visit that he changes his mind, but that was never the plan. That was never, ever the plan from Morris's camp, as I have uh, come to understand it. And you also got the feeling like Bill Beanbow was just waiting to pounce on somebody in the portal. Like, it was just chomping at the bit for it to happen. And we do kind of know, like, it took a while for Morris to get into the portal in the first place. Uh, and there were a lot of people, you know, just a lot of sources kind of reaching out saying, is he in the portal? When is he going to be in the portal? Like, they were chomping at the bit for this kid to get in there. So once he was, 
it was a full court press, and and they did everything that they had to do in order to close the deal with him. They really did. I mean, like I said, there there this wasn't just Bill. This was a concerted effort. A lot of people took part. Um, I mean, guys, you could see it in the reaction um, that he got when he announced it. I mean, there were several players. You don't usually see that, you know. There's not like you maybe if there's like a. I guess all we really have to go off largely is recruiting, but it may be like, oh, the recruit played with this guy in high school and he's excited about it or whatever. But you don't see a lot of like individual players getting excited about it and getting involved with it. And there were several guys that were very excited to have him as part of things. And, you know, Spencer Rattler among them, and we can all understand why. That's a potential NFL left tackle that has been added to your roster. Well, and, and just talk about that part of it, Josh. I mean, he, he has 19 games under his belt. Uh, is this guy uh, an immediate starter at left tackle for Oklahoma next year? I think he is. Now, he, he's kind of an interesting deal, and I, I, I have to give a little shout-out here to our, our guy Keegan Renault. He had sent me some All-22 stuff that I kind of got to watch and really get a good look at him. And this is a guy that um, – Athletically, it's all there. I mean, you talk about the knee bend. He can play flat-backed. He can mirror. Um, there's a lot of things you like that he does as a pass blocker. But at the same time, a lot of what you saw is, I thought as a freshman, at times he was better than he was as a sophomore. Now, there's a variety of reasons why that could be the case. But I thought as a freshman, he was just playing off natural athleticism. And it looked like as a sophomore I don't know, like, he just never looked like quite the same guy to me. I, I thought the, the gaps were bigger in, in his level of play. But, again, this is a guy that started as a freshman in the SEC, uh, has all the, the tools, the skill set you're looking for. I mean, somebody asked me his ceiling. His ceiling's a second, third team All-American. I mean, that, that, that guy can be this good, or this guy can be that good. So there's there's plenty to like here. I think he is... He gives Bill Biedenboe that great option of, okay, maybe I can put Wani Morris at left tackle. Maybe I slide Anton Harrison back over the right side, which is what Anton Harrison played in high school and is probably a little more familiar, a little more natural to him. So maybe you're making two positions stronger at the same time uh, with, you know, with Adrian Ely's obvious departure to the NFL. Word around was for Morris's sophomore season was definitely a lot of COVID issues. You know, not just from the conditioning standpoint, but from actually going through the quarantine process. And, and that's why he wasn't the player that he was as his first year. So we'll see if that changes when he gets here and how spring can, how the spring can, uh, conditioning goes for him. Well, and uh, let's talk about quickly, uh, not quickly, but I, I wanted to skip on to uh, the other good news that happened. Um, obviously, uh, Oklahoma picks up a a quarterback. They pick up a guy that uh, you know was really. I mean, as much as you want to say someone that's not going to start is key to your program, I think you know a quarterback was definitely key just from the standpoint of you need someone else there to take reps. You need someone so uh, Spencer Rattler's arm doesn't fall off because we've seen quarterbacks wear down in a season that maybe you know threw too many passes in practice and. You need guys to kind of take some of that weight off of their shoulders, uh, and, and they're going to get that with the Bowens transfer from Penn State. Whoever wants to take that, uh, go ahead and run with it, Bob. 
Yeah, well, because I mean, when we talked with Lincoln Riley in the last month, he made it pretty clear that he was open toward just two scholarship kids. It's not ideal, but they did it in 2016 with Baker Mayfield and Austin, and Austin Kendall. They were do it with Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams, and you feel like you'd, you'd be okay. But you know they wanted at least one or two more. And I think the prevailing thought, Josh, is we thought it would be a walk-on, definitely some sort of walk-on. And even when Bowens announced, natural assumption was, well, they just convinced a near four-star type of quarterback for the 2020 class to walk on at OU because that's what Lincoln Riley can do. That's what he brings to the to the table. But the short uh, you know, text messages with, with Bowens, he tells me it is a scholarship offer. Hope to have a heck of a lot more de- uh, detail on that. I have planned to have a interview with him later today to see if we can really get a timeline of how everything shook out. But I mean, if it, you know, he's a dual dual threat guy. I don't want to say just, you know, just plug him in where Chandler Morris was, but that might end up being the case. But, you know, this is huge. It gives you a, a, at least another body there in the quarterback room. And it, it, it's someone that, you know, I'll, I'll let Josh take it from this point, but you can get up, get into Bishop Gorman once again. We know that can mean a lot of good things going forward. Absolutely. I mean, this is this is a school that obviously, you know, has um, one, for, you know, former All-American amongst Oklahoma's coaching staff at the moment. But at the same time, I mean, there's three 2022 offers uh, currently on the Gorman roster, at, uh, you know, f- with offers from Oklahoma. So this could be big for OU, and that's something I'm kind of trying to dive into a little bit today. Um but with you know you got Jake Taylor on the offensive line, uh, a four-star offensive tackle, uh, Zion Branch, who's a Rivals 100 defensive back that Oklahoma offered very early on, and then Cyrus Moss, who I I think could arguably be Jamar Kane's top um, rush linebacker uh, target. So you are you're talking about you know three not just like oh these are good guys that oh you would kind of like to have these are some of the best players in the country at their position. So these are big time dudes. And if Bowens gives you any help there or can, you know, answer even just answering questions for the guys like, oh, what's it like? You know, what was, you know, how is it different? What what ways, you know, was it better? You know, whatever, whatever the conversations those guys want to have, if he's there and can help you with that, hey, all the better. That's great. So, like I said, I, I think it's it's good news. Now, I will say I think people should be careful with their expectations. I've talked to some Penn State sources and there was a feeling that, you know, Bowens was yeah, I don't think there were huge hopes that he was going to be their future quarterback or anything like that. I think they were pretty pretty mild about how they felt like he was going to go down the line. But at the same time... You sour grapes, it, Josh. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and they and the, the people I talked to were like, yeah, this is stuff we were hearing during the season. So, I mean, but you don't know. I mean, it, it absolutely could be that. Um, but like I said, th- this is just a guy, let's see what happens. Let's see where he is. Let's see what he looks like. Um, I don't think this is a no-doubt situation. I think if Chandler Morris was still here, I mean, I think that's the ultimate question. If Chandler Morris was in Oklahoma, they wouldn't be involved in this situation. This isn't a guy that, oh, man, he's just so great. There, there's no way. Oh, you needed a body at quarterback, and this is something that fits a need, can help them out. And, you know, guys, I mean, if we're all being honest here, and we assume Caleb Williams shows up, Spencer Rattler has the year we think he has, maybe goes to the NFL draft afterward, you're going to guess that that guy is 
I mean, do, do we think Micah Bowens is going to stay at OU a long time after Caleb Williams does what we all expect him to be to do and, you know, take over the reins from Spencer Rattler? I think Chandler Morris transfers back in. <laughs> to make his real run at the Heisman Trophy. No, I, I, I did want to ask you, too, though, like, and it went under the radar a little bit yesterday just because of the big Micah uh, Bowen news and then obviously the Joe John stuff we need to get into. But like, I thought adding a guy like the Ben Harris kid from Call Albert, I'm not saying that he's ever going to take a snap at Oklahoma, but that's certainly somebody that you want to be a part of your program, is it not? I mean, the kid might be one of the best, um, I guess, statistically and what he did on the field. He could be one of the better quarterbacks Oklahoma's ever produced. Oh, I mean, you're talking about a four-time state champion quarterback. I mean, this dude has has done everything you could ask of a high school kid and the success that you want them to have. Uh, ben Harris, he's a guy I've talked to for a long time. Um, you know, and I know at one point Ben was really kind of looking at the JUCO route. That That's kind of what he was thinking or, you know, smaller D2 kind of thing. And I think he just decided – you know, I think we talked about this last week, but that kind of the old cliche, like, I'm going to bet on myself. I think I'm a good enough player. I can go in somewhere and compete, and that's what he's going to choose to do. Now, obviously, like we just said with Caleb Williams, Spencer Heller, there's a mountain in front of him, but this is a guy that's known nothing but success, and even if things don't work out the way he wants to on the field, he feels like the kind of guy that could be, you know, that that I don't I don't want to put too big of a expectation on him, but maybe that guy that gets into coaching one of these days. You know, he he sits there for four or five years, learns under Lincoln Riley, kind of as Lincoln Riley did under Mike Leach, and then ten years from now we might be talking about him as the hot young OC name. So we don't know if it'll go that way, but I mean, this is a kid that gets it. By the way, do we know? Uh, did they? What kind of empty sack did they give Wanya Morris his cash in? Was it like Torchy's Tacos? Because um, I mean, we can do better than McDonald's. You would hope. What? A yeah. Whataburger. Whataburger would be better. Whataburger would be so much better than McDonald's. I mean. Waterburger would be great, but I feel like you're kind of you're you're kind of stealing some valor from Texas there. I mean, that's a pretty yeah. Texas meal. Like I don't, you know. That's now you know what I would recommend. Lunch? Do they even have bags? I mean, they just give it to you on a tray. I think. Oh, there's not a Johnny's in Norman anymore, so that makes it a lot no. harder. They'd have to drive up to the city, get it. It's a whole thing. <laughs> there's one um, in more. There is one in more. Though. Okay. Okay. Like, yeah. Yes. All right. Then then that's maybe that's what, about what you Del do. Del Rancho. Then. Oh, been a little too long since I've had a steak sandwich. Uh. I'll admit, uh, before I started my diet, I went there kind of as a see you later. Um, it was fantastic. <laughs> see you later, delicious foods. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, oh, that, no. That, you got to do that. You, like, you start on a Monday, and then Saturday and Sunday, you just destroy yourself. And then you try to, you know, you get yourself back on track. It is. I mean, it's like Chinese food, though. It's it's oddly unsatisfying and satisfying at the same time because there's just so much breading on that thing. It's like mm. it fills you up, it, it you know, quickly, but then two hours later, you're hungry again. Kerry, you're being like a uh, like an Oklahoma football fan when OU puts up 50. It's hard to pick and nitpick at a Del, uh, a Del Rancho chicken sandwich. I need to go there for just like their chicken steak sandwich. I mean, I never do that. I always get the steak sandwich supreme. The, uh, God damn it. What's the place off of, uh, trying to think, Chuck Wagon, Chuck House, Chuck House. 
Chuck House, that place fucks too with the chicken sandwich. Well, I mean, we could do it right. Does Ann's Chicken Fry have a doggy bag on 39th? I mean, you could, that could absolutely oh, you, have be you, a. Have you, have, you, have you not heard, Joshua? Oh, God. You're going to tell me something terrible. Yeah. Stitch shut it down. I believe. No. Uh, they have uh, They have closed. Yeah. COVID got them. What about Bobo's? Is that still a thing? You know, I don't know if it is, Carrie. I haven't heard uh, anybody going by the legend of Bobo's in a long time. I know. You don't hear about it anymore. That was the that was kind of the place to be when I was like just getting out of school and even when I was in college, we would sometimes make that pilgrimage up I-35 or even if we were in Oklahoma City and stay around and uh, go get some fried chicken. That stuff is so good. Maybe some Ray's Smokehouse. That'd be a good bag to deliver some money in. Uh, if there's anybody that could do it, I, I'm sure that uh, Daryl Ray could could be the guy. He can make some barbecue. I know that. I mean, does anybody else just think that that's just bullshit just from the standpoint of McDonald's bag? I mean, like, I mean, you can't no, get the I, grease out no, of that thing yeah, once I, you have the fries I, I, in there. I, I mean, no, I'm just I'm saying. Sure they were just getting, like, I, that story is so unbelievable. I kind of fit it into, like, if you hear something and it's so outlandish that how could that even be possibly made up, I feel like Jeremy Pruitt would have done it. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like Jeremy Pruitt learned from the master. He's not getting personally involved in that stuff. His assistants are. I mean, you have a bagman system that that goes through where you 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 hear no evil, you see no evil. Like that's. I mean, if they were that careless to where Jeremy Pruitt was orchestrating that stuff, he deserves to be fired. I, Josh, you've kind of always alluded to it, but I don't necessarily think that a guy like a Jeremy Pruitt has the. Um, how do I say this? The best track record of being a good human being. Oh, he's a flaming piece of shit. Like that. That's just, let's be <laughs> real clear about it. Uh, no, I, I've literally, cause I mean like guys, it's, it's the coaching business. Like you hear stuff and you'll hear, you know, okay. In his case, like Tennessee. Okay. Kentucky, Kentucky hates him or Louisville hates him. Oh, of course they do. Of course they do. That that's uh, not Louisville, but like Florida, like one of his rivals, they hate him. That, that makes sense. That's fine. But you always have these people like, well, I worked with him here. Or I knew this guy that worked with him, and he was like, oh, he's a pretty solid guy. You know, the rep's kind of overblown sometimes. You've never heard anyone say that about Jeremy Pruitt. They're like, no, he's a piece of work, man. He is a – and that's the thing that never – he's got this rep as a recruiter. I'm like, but he's a dickhead. Like, you never hear about, like – at least the even the guys that are dickheads, like I think we can be pretty honest. Nick Saban's not the most likable person in the world, but Nick Saban, when the cameras are on, he can he can do it. He can present it. He can sit down and make you feel like yeah, in a in a living room with mom, yeah, he'd make you feel fine. You know that that Look, kind of we've, guy. We've covered Nick Saban. Like if if you cover a game involving Nick Saban, like a bowl game, like that stuff gets way overblown. Like. It's kind of like with Bob Stoops. It's like the only th only sound bites people run are the ones where he's pissed off, and he's not that way eighty percent of the time. But so like Nick Saban, we're in New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl, and uh, it was the it was the last press conference. They have it early in the morning, and he was the first one. Was like, yeah, I'm looking out there. I can see some of you guys are hurting. Like, and everybody just started laughing. Like, he's actually a personable person, but you'd never know that just based on the clips that you see from him in press conferences. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Kerry, but that was the press conference that uh, 
was that the Mike Stoops press conference when uh, I think everybody showed up hungover? Everyone was really hungover that morning, and like it was. I don't think anybody will be more hungover than I was in Los Angeles at the Rose Bowl one. I almost fought somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those final it's, coaches press conferences—that's the when, most worthless thing. Because of, all of the your week. work is done. The hospitality room goes all night almost, and everybody just drinks and it just lets loose because they've all been working their fingers to the bone all week. And so that, and then the next morning is when they have the final coaches press conference, and then everyone is just shit faced. It's definitely a fun moment of the year because everything is shut down as far as like there's only one thing left to do, and that's go cover the game. And COVID took that away from us for the Cotton Bowl. I know, damn it, because they throw a pretty damn good party down there. Uh, okay, so let's get back to the transfer portal. Um, there is one name that is starting to uh, – Josh, you, you wrote about it in Woke today. Uh, yes, Tennessee's mis- misfortunes uh, still out there, but there is one other SEC name that, you know, a, a Ray Smokehouse bag might help with uh, that is starting to kind of become – the top guy that everybody's going to have their eye on. Yeah, and it's a guy that, I mean, we we wrote off over the last week or so, um, and that's Big Cat Bryant, the uh, defensive line. For, for those that are – I've had a lot of questions like, is that his actual name? It's Markevious, I believe is the way you say it, uh, Bryant. But he – I mean, literally everyone calls him Big Cat. I believe his official roster page on Auburn's uh, site – is, is big cat. So I mean, like this is yep. this is just what it is. So um, That's anyway, so badass. I know. I love it. I it's such it's so awesome. It's great. Um, and it might even but yeah, be even more badass. It might even be more badass too that he wore number one. It, I we mean, know Eddie loves. I don't like it. By, I don't like I it. I would watch his games in Auburn, and I would just be like, man, you would be so much better if you were wearing double digits. Like, people would notice how much better you were. So, Kerry, would you like it if it was, like, 17? Or does it need to be, like, in the 90s? No, you need to have a fat guy number. Okay, okay, all right. Maybe we got to have you guys do like a like a like a back and forth, like a but little. See, that's uh, what's to me. That's what stands out. If you're wearing a fat guy number and you're not a fat guy, then everybody's like, "Whoa, he shouldn't be wearing that number." When you're a when you're a fat guy that's not a fat guy and you're wearing one or eight Perion, uh, then everybody looks at it and says, "That number doesn't look right on him." Like you never get to appreciate how he is not a fat guy if he's not wearing a fat guy number. Uh, I think say Perion. I, I did not say that you are that you are not fat. I didn't say that. Carrie, <laughs> Carrie definitely called. I said you he's fat, not so. not a fat guy. <laughs> he's, no, he is not a fat guy. He's a fat guy that's not fat. Gotcha, gotcha. He, he plays a fat Don't guy get position. It twisted, all right. Isn't yet fat himself. Okay, I got you. Um. Anyway, but yeah, this is a guy that you know, and I I said it. I think in. I can't remember if it was Scoop last week or if it was in Woke or where it was, but talked about the the belief that he was going to be a guy that was probably going to follow his coach, Rodney Garner, uh, the Auburn's former defensive line coach, and uh, probably to Tennessee because Kevin Steele had taken the defensive coordinator job and Garner was probably going to get the defensive line job. Well, the world blows up. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt keeps handing out McDonald's bags, and we, we're left with a very different reality a week later. So 
it looks like Oklahoma just really never stopped. Even when he announced, I think that was on Friday, wasn't it, Bob, that he, he committed? Saturday night, yeah. Okay, God, I keep, wanting, I keep wanting to make it Friday. Anyway, so he announced on Saturday night. I don't get the impression that even during that, like probably within 30 minutes of that, he was still talking to Oklahoma staff. So I don't think Oklahoma really ever gave up hope because they knew that the whole Tennessee situation was really, really shaky and it was kind of surprising to everyone that he did it when he did it. Um, but I think it tells you that, you know, that, that was his plan as he was going to follow his former DC and his former defensive line coach. But now with that up in the air and there's, I mean, people are like, well, maybe they hire Kevin Steele. Man, I don't, I don't see, I, I, even if he was only momentarily connected to Jeremy Pruitt, I don't see there's any way that that's going to happen. Um, does he, let me so, ask you this. Oh, good. Could he step right in? And by the way, now that I'm looking at his profile, athletic head like that, but he's just six five two fifty. He's not a he's not a defensive tackle. I mean, defensive no. end like he's Ronnie Perkins. He can wear a single digit number. So forget everything I said. I, I okay. have no objections to Big Cat right. Bryant wearing a single digit number. Kerry disavowing his own take. No, okay, no, no, I like no, no. It. I'm thinking, interior defensive lineman is my only issue with single digit numbers. Okay, okay. So the, it's getting specific, but all right, all right. Um, Everything is specific, Josh. It's football, all right? <laughs> it's football jerseys. Um, but no, so, so like I said, this is a guy, I know Jamar Kane's been in contact with him. I know he's had some, even some calls with Lincoln Riley. So Oklahoma is working hard, and they would really like to add him to the group. There is, it, it's interesting because, I mean, this is a guy that out of high school was, you know, like a three-star recruit, but there was a lot of people that covered him that thought, man, the potential's huge. And then at Auburn, it's kind of been like, oh, he'll show you a little glimpse of something, but it hasn't all come together. So he's really an interesting guy because, I, you know, I think people are starting to see him as like, well, he's going to redefine Oklahoma's defensive line. I don't know that I would go that far, but he's a really nice addition. I mean, this is the kind of guy that does make you better. He is going to, you know, be – be a uh, immediate rotation guy. Maybe he takes over a starting spot. I mean, he was second team all SEC last year, so this isn't just some nobody. But he's also returning at a position where Oklahoma has a lot of talent Let coming me ask back. You, if so, it, if, is this statement true? Big Cat Bryant uh, is a really good player, but he's not Ronnie Perkins. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, his, his numbers certainly don't support that. I mean, like you look at what he's done and it, you're kind of like oh that that that's it all right i mean like it's not bad but it's certainly i mean like his i mean 2020 like i said he was second team all sec he had three sacks for 14 yards like it's not bad it's not terrible or anything he had an interception so i guess that's something he's got two career interceptions but it's it's just not the guy that blows your hair back with what he's done and i think it was more of like early in his career as a freshman i mean he had two and a half sacks sophomore year had four so i think there was always this expectation okay now he's about to take off now he's really going to get going and it just didn't seem to materialize for him now auburn's had a ton of good defensive linemen the last few years so that that makes all the sense in the world i mean you can I mean, understand is, how it happened yeah i mean this is a guy that he played four years of college football he's not going to the nfl draft so that tells you a lot right there Sure, sure, and, that, and that's something people forget, you know, and I, we can get into the Darion Rakestraw thing a little bit where, you know, the kind of the same same deal where OU fans are like, oh, you should be all over him. Well, I mean, he's a senior. At, in a secondary, Colorado's actually put out some good DBs over the last five to ten years, and he's not going to the draft. And, you know, if 
there if he hasn't picked somebody already it makes you wonder like well, what is what do his suitors really look like how many schools are really pushing for him so that's that's going to be the interesting part here but like i said i don't want the expectations to get to be where like oh well, he's you know it's like adding ronnie perkins back you just you know a net net neutral there and it's not that let, let, let you know tap the brakes a little bit but there's no question he is a rotational guy that will help OU from day one and this is this is another case of jamar kane kind of saying what he said last year you want to recruit against the big the the big boys he wasn't scared about it i can't imagine two three years ago an ou assistant coach even trying to get into a race like this with a kid from the southeast that is sec that you figure is just gonna go to another one of those schools and not only is he in it but you know he's so confident in his abilities and now with his results he might actually win this thing it just goes to show you know the kind of attitude that kane has brought not only to recruiting, but to that edge, that defensive end position. You saw it with Perkins and with Benito, and you got to believe he knows he thinks he can bring out the best in Bryant, too. Okay, outside of that, you mentioned Rakestraw, um, the kid from Colorado. Uh, it, does it sound like kind of interest is waning there a little bit? Bob could probably tell you more from the follow perspective. What, yeah. It's sad. Yeah. There's just nothing going on. It's from him or any other school. I just look at his numbers that aren't that impressive when you look at the overall scope, but from the last two years is the bulk of it. So that tells me the light bulb came on. Either was he a receiver initially, and then they flipped him over, or whatever it was, or he finally bought into being in the secondary. His numbers the last two years tell me he could contribute in some way even more than I thought Patrice Renee could, who ended up picking Rutgers last Friday, I think that Rakestraw would be a better fit for OU. And then the Buffalo running back says, uh, by the way, I'm going to go ahead and go back to Buffalo, so he's off the board. And uh, What is it? Who was it that pulled their name? Oh, it was uh, Kobe Harvell-Peel, right, that pulled his name out of the draft. And that was interesting. Yeah, that was yeah, interesting too. We're in that that seventy two hour window. I'm, you know, we got till Friday when it'll be finalized. And so I mean, I got to think that that is really jarring news for a lot of people that the NFL is not going to have a combine, which I do not understand for the life of me why they would not have a combine when they can control all that stuff and then leave it up to individual campuses that you don't know what kind of protocols they'll have in place and all that stuff. Like it's just it blows my mind that the NFL made that decision. It's almost like they just don't want to f*** with it, Carrie, because, I mean, so you can have the senior bowl, but you can't, and I realize that there would be more people in Indianapolis, but I don't know. It just, it's disappointing, I guess, is one way to say it. Well, and then you're, I mean, how much, if someone runs a great time, how much is that debated now? Because it's hand-timed or it's reported by a school um, like, do you really believe if a kid runs a four three that he actually ran a four three, or they're going to be a record number of four twos this year because the reporting is all over the place and the hand timing is all over the place? John Ross is going to be pissed because someone's going to run like a four one five, and they're like, "That's that's not real." So, yeah, I, I guys, but we know. I mean, like, we there's been plenty of stories about. A lot of these scouts literally trust their hand more than they trust an electric timer, yeah. which is insane, but 
you know, that, that's what these guys believe. They, they think they're more accurate. But I would say not everyone in an organization trusts a scout's hand. Hell no. Yeah. No. The GMs, um, they want to see those electronic times. Well, and you also, you get all these varied surfaces. I mean, even with all the, you know, the field grass and all that kind of stuff that you have now, it's still not consistent from every single place. I mean, you know, Oklahoma, I know, has had a reputation for a long time of being a slow track. And you know what's crazy? It's just, it reminds me of like when Baker was at the Combine, like, how do you really judge quarterbacks unless they're all in the same place? Like, no one really could have told watching Josh Allen uh, throw at his own pro day versus Baker versus everybody else. Like, they couldn't tell that his arm was that much superior to everybody else. Like, you're not going to be able to have that advantage now not having a combine. And the crowd goes silent. <laughs> It sucks. We all enjoyed watching it, and it gave you a good barometer for, I mean, for, uh, I thought, Ronnie Perkins and Trey Brown were going to be two guys I was really going to, you know, analyze a lot to see how they stacked up and where they were going to go because of their combine. And and now it's just, it's going to be one pro day, and I I don't even know if we're going to be allowed to go, too. I don't have a clue how OU's yeah, going to handle that. I'm worried that nobody will be able to go except for yep. scouts. I don't know if you can watch it through Zoom or <clears throat> watch it on Well, and that's sports, the thing. Like, how many, how many, how many, uh, I saw Jake Trotter tweeting today about, you know, one of the key uh, Browns personnel wasn't even going to go to the, the Senior Bowl. Uh, like, how many GMs are really going to get out on the road and go to these you know, individual things, or are they just going to be watching them through a Zoom feed? And inter- I mean, we know they're going to interview people through Zoom feeds and stuff like that, uh, so all the interviews will take place virtually, but, man, that's just, I, I don't get it. I don't understand the NFL's line of thinking with that. So I uh, wanted to remind you guys, Dead Soxie, a uh, great sponsor of the Unofficial 40 podcast. Uh, Eddie and I both uh, big fans. I've been telling you guys about the no-show, been wearing those more and more as the uh, weather has gotten a little bit warmer. And it's like just, just Eddie, it's like having little pillows on your feet. I, I, I mean, the fabric quality is fantastic. Uh, you, get the, you get the 30% off uh, your entire order with the exclusive Sooner Scoop promo code that is Boomer. Just enter Boomer at checkout. You get 30% off. Uh, pick from the boardroom, the no-show, just uh, all, all kinds of great designs to choose from. And uh, like I said, Eddie, just fantastic socks. Yeah, I, I don't have to tell you. I mean, it's they are they are socks that I wear every day now, and uh, I will be wearing the the uh, the cutoff socks as much as possible once the golf season rolls around. And with the PGA Tour, uh, you know, I, I think almost not back in full swing, but uh, they are now back in the states after the uh, the Hawaii swing. I am uh, I am more than ready to get back out to the golf course, and I will be wearing my dead socksies with my golf shoes. Now you I, I, you should load up on like some green and yellow socks in case you go back to the Masters this year. I might do that. They might allow me to get into uh, Berkman's place with uh, with those on, and I think that uh, there would be no better place to uh, show those off. Show than, off the I Dead Soxy. Well, yeah. Dead Soxy. Maybe I can give it to uh, the chairman. DeadSoxy.com. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Use that promo code BOOMER, and you'll get 30% off the best dress socks that you've ever put on. I want to remind you guys, as always, to stay soxy. All right, Joe John Finley, the hire yesterday for uh, Lincoln Riley. It was a name that we knew was out there. We were wondering maybe if some other big names could surface, like maybe a Kevin Sumlin. Uh, But 
Joe John ends up being the pick, and Lincoln says in the release that he'll also be a big part of special teams. But, guys, I know I've been following Joe John and John Cooper and, uh, you know, Joey Halsley and even, you know, Jeff Lebby's a former Sooner, although it's a kind of a bad word around here uh, because of what happened to that Tulsa game when he was scouting and he shouldn't have been. Uh, but, you know, Josh Heupel, that whole crew, I mean, they've kind of been this little pack that's gone out and, you know, Joe John was at Baylor uh, with Lebby uh, and uh, with Art Bryles, and then he went on to Missouri. Uh, he's been at Texas A&M. Now he's at Ole Miss, but you look at some of the offensive minds he's been around. I think that probably had to be something that really impressed Lincoln Riley and made an impression to uh, where he needed a tight ends coach and uh, he needed an H-backs coach, and, and he was probably impressed with the, the collective knowledge he's gained over the years. Eddie, why don't no you jump on that? Sorry, I, I thought somebody else was going to jump in. I, I think it's a it's a great hire. And if you look at what Joe John has done kind of in a shortened career over the last five years, I mean, it he's been on the move quite a bit, going from Missouri to A&M and then obviously out to Oxford with Lane Kiffin. But everywhere he's been, the tight end position has not only contributed, but it's been a big part of the offense. And I think that anybody knows that, you know, what Lincoln Riley likes to do and what uh, you know how how important that H back unit is. It's it's going to be a very important position moving forward. I don't I don't think that's going to change. And he inherits a group that I think everybody kind of agreed by the end of the year was or going into the year was probably one of the strongest units before it was hit by uh, injury and then the weirdness with Stockner. So I'm pretty excited to see what they do with that group and uh, just getting him back. I think you know it's kind of weird that you now look up and they have five guys on staff that played football at Oklahoma. I. I would be hard-pressed to think there are any other staffs in the country that are outfitted with that many former players. And, Bob, it is, it's kind of interesting, I mean, from that perspective, that, you know, another former Sooner that's coming here, but a young guy and a guy that can learn from Lincoln Riley, and obviously that's an attractive position. I mean, Shane Beamer thought it attractive enough to leave Georgia and come to Oklahoma, and now he's got a head coaching job. Um, but, I, I mean... Austin Stogner coming out and, and giving a welcoming tweet. I thought that was uh, that was pretty indicative yeah. of how some of the players feel about the hire. Yeah, I'm on the fence a bit about him as a recruiter. I, Josh can go into that more, and I actually I need to dive into it more to see what. But what he's done with the guys he's had, the production at A and M, at Ole Miss. I mean, that, that's something that the guys on campus can be very excited about. We saw what Stogner said. A healthy Braden Willis is going to flourish in a huge way under someone like Joe, uh, Joe John Finley. And, you know, you just you, you love that OU aspect to it with recruiting. I, I, I don't know how well it's going to play out, but I, I just – it can't hurt when you've got someone – who knows exactly what it takes to be a Sooner, who's got that passion for it, that enthusiasm. And, you know, there's with Jalen Conyers leaving, it's not like they have to go through the portal. You know, Eric Gilbert is still out there, and it's always going to be out there until he finally makes his, his choice. But Joe John's got, he's got some work to do for that 2022 class. That's going to be imperative that you hit some, at, at least one, big time target at that position and you just have faith that based on what he's been able to produce on the field and and now that he's you know got that OU rep with him that he can definitely land one of those big names 
And who knows what's going to happen uh, the rest of the way the transfer portal. We don't know what's going to happen with Mikey Henderson and kind of where he's going to play next year. I mean, he's certainly a guy that could shift over to running back, and from what we've seen of him, he'd be successful doing that. Um, but, I mean, just as a group, I mean, special teams also. I mean, you think about Jay Bulware was part of the special teams and then Shane Beamer. So the special teams, you know, Lincoln mentioned it for a reason. That's, you know, a lot of that's going to be on his shoulders. Which will be interesting because I don't know how much experience he – or I don't know how Lincoln really runs special teams because they don't have a special teams coach. And it felt like Beamer was the guy, but that made sense. Can Finley be that guy or is it going to be more of a community effort? I'm kind of curious to see how that all works. I'm not saying it's going to be a disaster and it's it's not going to work out, but I'm wondering if Joe John becomes the number one guy when you think of special teams like the way we did with Beamer during the last two years. All right. Well, uh, just recruiting wise, high school wise, there's been some interesting developments. Um, I mentioned Tyson Ford's name earlier. I, I kind of told the story on the board. Uh, Josh, I don't know. I mean, it seems like Eddie and I get embroiled in all the recruiting weirdness um, outside of just people being mad at you for not reading people's minds, Josh. Um, hey, my sources on this were pretty shitty. I mean, it was, Ty- it Tyson, was Tyson Ford. Ford. Yeah. 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 It's pretty shaky on that one. Well, it turned out, um, they were shaky. Uh, <laughs> Jacob Phillips, Eddie and I had the Jacob Phillips trip of a lifetime that ended up in nothing because he went to LSU. He, at least he did commit to OU at the time. I haven't followed through on my threat yet, so I don't know. Maybe Baker can set something up. But so here's what happened. Tyson Ford uh, had decided he was going to commit to Oklahoma. And uh, people had reached out to us and said, hey, Tyson is committing to Oklahoma. He wants to do a commitment video. Uh, Do you guys know anyone that could do that for him? And, of course, Josh, what did I say? Uh. You kind of just jumped out there like you you were ready to do this. And I was like, uh, sir, we, we don't have any experience in doing this. But Carrie, I know, I Carrie said, was confident. I, said, I do <laughs> not do commitment videos. I said, but I did come up with this plan mm-hmm. that wasn't necessarily like a staged, you know, wasn't like a Scorsese-type commitment video. We were just going to do this thing, and I came up with this plan with him, and we worked over a couple of weeks to develop it. And I said, hey, okay, here's what we'll do. We're going to come out. We're going to do a professional-type photo shoot. And I'm going to give you all these photos. And you're going to release them one at a time on your social media. Not like on Soonerscape. On your deal. You're going to do this. You're going to control this. Because if you let us, if you let Soonerscoop do this for you, everybody's going to know where you're going. And you can say that that was my first mistake. But uh, because if we started doing stuff immediately, we probably would have... Uh, Fans could probably say, well, you would have tied him down to OU if you just would have done it the normal could way. Could have locked him in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he was going to release all these photos, you know, uh, you know, one after another, kind of with his finalists featuring it and, you know, it building up to his, you know, announcement. And he'd already set it up. I was going to interview his coach, his mom, his grandmother, or his grandmother, his grandfather, and his trainer. And we're going to put together kind of just a little video about, you know, him and uh, his journey to, you know, playing college football. And it wasn't going to be a, you know, a stupid commitment video that was going to cause him to 
fail as an athlete like they all do. Um, so, and then on Monday, we were going to have a live announcement they were going to carry. And again, all this would be handled through his social. No one would be the wiser that Sooner Scoop had anything to do with it. So, I'm sitting here on Friday. By the way, I just got a email or a, a notification. Car rental drop-off enterprise today at noon. Norman Merkel. Um, so I'd had the rental car, and uh, I'd, I'd had all this new gear that we got. Josh doesn't know how much I spent. Um, and, I'm, I'm trying not to think about it. And so um, I emptied the bank account um, and my own. <laughs> so uh, we got all the stuff, and we were going to be able to pull this off, and I'd been working, for, you know, night and day to get this done and so it's friday and i'm the last thing i needed to know is how many microphones do i need to bring for the live announcement like who's gonna talk um you know what's the setup and he said okay i'll call the guy in the morning he said i'll call the guy and i'll get back to you and so it was about 1 30 i was like hey i'm about to leave uh did you ever hear back from the event you know person at the event that could answer those questions for me and he said hey can i give you a call and i i thought it was weird because we'd just been dming the entire time and so he called me and said yeah i uh i sat down last night with my parent my, my mom we wrote down all the pros and cons and i've changed my mind i'm gonna go to notre dame and i said oh okay and immediately a sense of relief came over me i was like well i don't i've been preparing for this and it really sucks and i'd like to go do this but i don't want to come to your super spreader live announcement for one thing uh and i you know it was a little bit of a relief and uh, I said, oh, okay, um, you know, that's your decision. I, I would never tell you that, you know, you're making a decision wrong or right. I said, you have every right to make that decision and don't think that I'm upset or that, you know, we, you know, you forced us to do anything. We volunteered for all this stuff. And, uh, and then he said, well, does this change anything we had going on? <laughs> that is... My favorite part. Uh, and I said, well, you know, you got to understand, I don't run a Notre Dame website and, you know, it's going to be a tremendous amount of expense for me to come up and do this. You know, I'd be out at least, you know, one to $2,000 probably when this is all said and done, not, to, you know, not to mention all the stuff I was out already, uh, <laughs> but renting a car, hotel, staying there for four days, you know, staying up all night, producing this stuff like I don't want you to take this the wrong way. And, and uh, you know, but if you were in Dallas, I'd probably do it, but I'm not, I don't want to drive 16 hours both ways to come do this. And I said, I think we know somebody that can get you taken care of. And we let our Notre Dame site handle it from there. But it was just kind of one of those things. Like you can see why coaches are insane all the time about recruiting because stuff like, like this is just one little incident that happened to me. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with the world? And that happens to coaches on a weekly basis. That is, uh, you know, and that, that's one of those things where people are like, well, what did OU do wrong? Oh, you didn't do anything wrong. Oh, you didn't change anything they were doing. They had a new, he was they all had a in. new defensive coordinator for like three days. Yep. Yep. I, from everything I can gather, it sounds like mom stepped in and was like, you're going to Notre Dame because of the academics. And that's fine. Yeah. Like, I get it. That That's a reasonable conclusion to come to um and look yeah, if, I mean, if you're on the board and you're arguing about academics i am with you like trust me you're if you're a football player you're majoring in football no matter what school you're going to he's gonna probably go and major in, like if he's gonna go and major you know in pre-med all the power to you but he's probably gonna go major in you know uh 
communications or something. I mean, one of these degrees that yep. it's a football Sorry. degree. Yep. I mean, and yeah, a communications okay. degree from Notre Dame is not going to get you any more than a communications from Lot and from from Cameron University, probably. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, I absolutely completely agree. Guys, being there and being at this school and talking to their coaching staff, his entire offensive line is signing with the Ivy League. Like, the, this is a very exclusive, very, very good yeah. private school. So, I, I, if mom's paying for it, she's like, man, I, stop. I didn't send you to this place. I could have sent you to, to IMG for free, yeah. and you could have gone there. But I've sent you here because it is great academically, and... I, I want to continue that for you. So uh, I get, most of the time, I'm totally on board with what you're saying. But like I said, this kid, like every guy on his team is pretty much going to the Ivy League. And I think he told me their average ACT score, their head coach was, is over 30 on the roster. <laughs> it's insane. But you know what, Josh? Like, They're going to Ivy League schools. They ain't going to football schools. Sure, That's sure. Like, no, no. I mean, and, and if, you know. If he, if what he, his major says. Yeah, if he is an NFL player, he will probably make way more money than any of his teammates that are going to Ivy League schools. Yeah, well, I mean, tell one of them's last name is like Zuckerberg or something. I mean, he, he's got to have the guy that sure. invents the next whatever. I mean, they'd probably get a good job with like Yahoo or something one day with that degree. Those Ivy League guys. I, I'm not going to remember, but in three years, if it says like undecided for his major, that would be funny. Pooh, Bob. <laughs> it would be. Vindictive, Bob. I like it. I, guys, as the one of us that goes back and listens to each pod, I feel like Bob has turned a corner in the last three or four months. Like, there is starting to be like a. Like, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's still it. a. It's a very nice Bob compared to the three of us, but like there's an edge to Bob that I don't think used to be there. There's a little bit of hostility in uh, in the way he operates these days. I think COVID has changed him a little bit as a man. Mm-hmm. Zoom calls definitely have. Ugh, Zoom. Now that basketball season has started, I think he's a lot more of an asshole than he used to be. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I say that uh, in in a sign as a sign of respect. <laughs> so yeah, there's your Tyson Ford story. Um, outside of that, uh, what else is? I mean, I guess the big question is everybody you know wanted to know on the boards like, okay, what happens now uh, for you know Jamar Kane, for Calvin Thibodeau moving forward? But I mean, it's 2022, a lot of fish still out there. Um, is it is it anything more than just a little bump in the road? I, I really, I mean, don't get me wrong. Tyson Ford's a really good player. I like him a lot. I, I don't think you just easily replace him. But you saw you go out and made an offer, the Jure Bledsoe kid from Bremen. Um, they are, they're doing something, you know, and, I, I, and honestly, they never really, I don't think they ever got too comfortable. They, they said, yeah, you know, we're in good shape with some guys. And, you know, they they are still the clear leader for Gabe Dindy, who put out like a top eleven list yesterday, but Bob or maybe it was the night too. before. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to any recruits that ever listen to this. If it's not top five, I'm not retweeting it. So don't don't bother me about like I, I'm just that is so vague and it's so open to change. Like I I'm just 
I, I know Gabe. I like Gabe, but I, I'm going to pass on that. Um, and I will not yeah, see your then, top 11 uh, commitment video. All right. <laughs> and I love when they have to try to re- remember who that 11th school is because that's how much it, they, it means to them. No, and, and that Bob, that's one of my favorite games to play. I'm like, and I'll you guys can uh, fans, you can have some fun with this in the future. You can see me do it in interviews. Usually, when I'm asking a recruit, like, yeah, you've got that top list. Who was it again? I'm looking at the tweet. Like, I'm looking at it, and I know exactly who that list was, but I want you to tell me, because usually they'll wrap all, you know, if it's a Texas kid, OU, Texas, A&M, LSU, Bama, like, so you know and, the like they know ones. Them. Five, yeah. six, right. boom. And then you start, uh, and ba- Baylor and uh, uh, Penn State, and I'm like, okay, so those schools are not even part of this And you're like, ha-ha, jackass, I got your top five. Yeah, like, and then, uh, you know, I throw the phone at them and laugh, and then, you know, they pummel me. So it, it goes really well all the way around. But no, you know, it, it's just one of those things, and you guys are right. It's a good way to read the situation a little bit sometimes. Um, but yeah, then you, you know, like I said, Gabe Dendy, I think they clearly lead for. He's a, a potential five star guy, I think, before this class is done. Um, Amari Abor, the big guy from Duncanville, um, actually has a family member on the board that posts all kinds of updates and he and I talk privately as well. And I, I think OU's in good space, uh, good space there. Um, you know, and then, you, you know, there are several other options that I think are absolutely very realistic for Oklahoma. So we'll, we'll have to see what direction some of this stuff moves. I, obviously, Bear Alexander is one. I, I was like, there's somebody I'm forgetting. The, the top 10 player in the country, big time guy from Denton Ryan, had a chance to see him a few weeks ago. And, you know, I, I think right now, I, I would say it's somewhere between OU and A&M, I think kind of depending on who you listen to. Um, but, I, you know, he's giving Oklahoma every indication he's very, very interested. Uh, outside of that, any, any. Yeah, just yeah. real quick. Oh, you offered uh, the Luke Has kid from uh, Bixby 2023 kid that I know that, you know, we've all been kind of uh, intrigued in just because of obviously his talents and then the program that he plays for. But does that do anything like I immediately after he was offered, I got a text wondering what that does for an RJ Jackson, uh, the kid out of Choctaw. Would Oklahoma still be involved with him? And as far as Luke has, what do you see in him, Josh? Well, I think they still would be. I think R.J. Jackson is a very traditional, or not a very anti-traditional, but for OU, he's an H-back. Like, he's about 6'2", 6'2 I think he can do some stuff out of the backfield. I think he can line up and be an inline tight end. He, he can do a role very similar. I don't know that he is, you know, um, like a Dimitri Flowers type of guy. I think he's more of a kind of a fullback H-back type of guy, but like not dissimilar to what we see from Braden Willis. I think you could see a lot of, of similar roles in the way those two guys play. As to where I think Luke has is more of Austin Stogner. He is a receiving tight end, is going to challenge vertically, wants to work up the seam. Now, he's a big-framed kid, so it's not to say that he can't come and play in line and do some of those things, but I, I think I think Luke has, honestly, has more upside than I thought Austin Stogner had at the same age. I, I think Luke has is a really, really good player and actually has a brother in the same class at Bixby that's a very good DB, and it wouldn't shock me at all if in a year so OU was somewhere with him as well. So he, they've, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, Bixby's got a ton of good players. Um, but you know, their their father, from what I'm learning, played at TU. So there, there's some connection there as well. 
So there is, um, I, I like I said, I like him a lot, but I think there's absolutely room in a world for Jackson and Haas to kind of fit together. And, you know, when you look at it in the way Oklahoma's numbers look, 2023 might be a perfect spot for a class like that in state where they're going to have some scholarships open up in those two roles. I just saw the most amazing thing uh, that OU just tweeted out. Oh. I didn't even know that they do this. Like, top golf, like, they uh, pick up and move to stadiums so you can go play top golf at Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. Oh, they're going to Oh, that's do that? awesome. Yeah. Huh. What is it? Uh, May. Hold on. Let me go back. Who tweeted it? Oh, you tweeted it. Uh, maybe it was university tweeted it. It's not OU Athletics. Damn it. Okay. Uh, Top Golf Live coming to Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium this May. Uh, the live stadium series, May 6th through 9th. You can uh, tee it up inside the stadium you hit golf balls onto the field you've got glowing targets uh you can tickets are going on sale at topgolflive.com january 28th you know who would love that bob he all he did was spend his time playing golf (laughs) i bet bob will be at this thing i want to be at this thing and i don't really even like (laughs) talking That'd be pretty cool, hitting golf balls onto Owen Field. I'd be down they've for done that. that at, uh, they've done that at San Diego uh, Padres Stadium over the last couple of years at Petco. That's coming to uh, Gaylord Family. Go check it out. We're not even getting paid for this. Um, all right, uh I was trying to think. I had something prepared, then that just totally took my mind off of things. Uh, OU basketball. Let's hit on that real quick. Um, obviously, two Blossom huge around. wins, but this is a team that's still, I mean, TCU and Kansas State, not exactly the teams that are going to get you in the tournament, but Kansas this weekend. Eddie, I saw the stat that you threw out there this morning uh, that the last two times Kansas has had three game losing streaks. They've always lost at Norman in the fourth game. Yeah, that's wild, isn't it? Because I, I was almost thinking that, like, I just initially, my first reaction was that Kansas probably hasn't lost three consecutive conference games in 35 years or something. And what, that went back to like 2002? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I believe the two years were 2005 and 2013 that they handed them losses. Uh, being their third straight or third consecutive. But we were joking around. Like, it always feels like Oklahoma gets Kansas coming off of a loss. And that's what happened two weeks ago. Uh, That's obviously what's happening right now. But, you know, Bob, as as we've said, that this this isn't necessarily – this Kansas team is there for the taking. And it kind of turns into a big game at 11 a.m. Like, the next couple weeks for Oklahoma basketball are rather important for their NCAA tournament lives. Yeah, I mean, you get Kansas at 11, you get Alabama, who could be 14-3. and three. I looked at their their schedule. They could be 14-3 and three coming into Norman next Saturday. And you just talk about those tournament you know, opportunities to really show that you, you belong there. This is definitely it. Come, uh, 
coming up here. And it sucks that Bryce Thompson isn't going to be able to play. He had his surgery, so he, he, he won't be suit, suited up for uh, Kansas. But Brady Manick, Jalen Hill came back. I think it was imperative that they came back in a game like last night as opposed to a pressure cooker like Bedlam would have been last Saturday or what KU is going to be this Saturday. They were able to try to figure out how to integrate them back into the offense because I got to tell you, I love the what the four-guard attack is doing, what they're lacking in size. They're making up for with intensity and forcing steals and turnovers and Kirk Quest doing his job in terms of the block shots and protecting the rim. I don't know if, if that group could sustain it for an entire season, but it's been very impressive what they've been able to do the last couple of weeks and now try to figure out where Brady Manick and Jalen Hill fit in, into those roles too. Well, they don't have a lot of time to figure a lot of stuff out. I mean, you look at this schedule coming up, it is brutal. I mean, Kansas brutal. Saturday, then you go to Austin and take on Texas. Then you take on the surprise of the SEC and the really the country, Alabama, yep. in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Uh, thankfully, that one is in Norman. Uh, and then you go on the road to play Tech where uh, you would like to get one from them because uh, you let one slip away at home earlier this year. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to win any of those big-time road games against those type of opponents, but uh, it's the chance is still going to be there. Even if you don't get it done against Kansas, you've got Bama. You're going to have a home game against Baylor. You'll have a home game against Texas. you got to get maybe two of them. You know, you've got to show that you're more than just a one-trick pony that beat West Virginia played all the elite teams tight, but didn't win on you're going to have to pull some of these out. And Saturday's a very winnable game. Just you look at Kansas. I, I don't know what it is about the last couple of years, but it doesn't seem like it's a complete team. It just seems like a collection of individuals, like a fantasy team that you would put together that feels like it should work, but it just doesn't. The cohesion is like, it doesn't feel like it's there. Just, team this year feels like it's lacking something and if if they can just take take care of the ball and keep forcing the turnovers and leading having that convert in the offense I mean you really like what their chances are going to be Saturday it's also going to be the first 11 a.m Saturday game I have no idea what that atmosphere is going to be like I know last night was just weird there's no other way to say it a 5 30 tip on a Tuesday without students in town I mean, there were tens of people there as we tipped off. More people showed up as, as it kept going, but it was really strange. And it'll get stranger. The Baylor game for OU's home date with the Bears is at 5 p.m. on a Wednesday because of the Australian Open being on at 7 o'clock on ESPN2. So if you thought 5.30 was strange, come, coming up in a big one against Baylor, it'll be a half hour early, uh, you know, even sooner. And it's just just weird how COVID and how the time schedules have just completely changed everything. College basketball has obviously been weird. I mean, you look up in the AP Top 25, uh, who was it? Duke, Carolina, and Kentucky are all out of it for the first time since 1961. The most amazing stat from Tuesday night in college basketball was the fact that Alabama, who we were just talking about, and Oklahoma plays in two weeks, they made 23 threes last night. Kentucky has made 19 threes in its last four games. The thing. They're it's a pretty collection good. of individuals, but not quite a team. I do. I, I guess I should bring up actually one newsworthy. 
Davion Harmon was just a cramp. It looked bad. It did. With six minutes left in the second half, he he went down. He was grim. He was grimacing. He needed to be helped off by a couple members of the uh, staff. It looked really bad, but it, it's not. It's just a cramp. By the time the game was over, and, and by the time the post game zoom was going on, Lon felt very confident, just saying flat out, you know, he's just a little sore. There's no reason to be concerned about him being ready for Saturday. And he looked good in the first half against Lawrence before he disappeared. And then back-to-back games, he's been tremendous just in terms of playing point guard, playing off guard, playing power forward. His speed and transition last night was very apparent. He was just running them out of the gym with his ability to push the ball up the court. So if he's at 100%, that's obviously going to be very good news for OU Saturday. Well, we don't know anything um, in terms of football moving forward, spring practices. I mean, I was talking to you guys the other day about this. Like, I couldn't even remember when schedules are usually released. And and you guys remind me, like, you know, usually next year's schedules are released by now uh, or long by now. Uh, And I went back looking at emails and, like, there was even, like, a January change of date for like a Thursday to Friday for some games and stuff. So it it's going to be really interesting to see how people figure this thing out. Um, you know, when spring practice will be, uh, some people are, you know, doing it in February. Other people are pushing it back. And, uh, I, you know, I think just knowing whether you're going to have fans in stands or where the vaccine is at that point. I mean, all those things kind of have to be answered. Uh, so in terms of where we're headed, uh, spring practice and all that stuff, we're still in the dark on that stuff. So it's it's just going to take some time to, and some patience to figure it out. The only thing we might know, there shouldn't be a break. Since OU started classes a week later, there is no spring uh, spring break. So Travis, it, it, it should just be a month straight of practices instead of, you know, three or four here and then a week off and then the, the last 10. So that that's a little different. I'm sure pro day is the main thing in the football team's, you know, planning stage right now. Like, and, you know, we are talking about this too. Like, you, like Tulsa's going to have to, like, I mean, what's his name? Um, Zayvon Collins. Zayvon Collins. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to either go to OU or OSU to do his workout. So, um, I would imagine, you know, a lot of, a lot of players will have to consolidate for the players that actually are going to have pro days. And then, how do you do that? Do you have to have people quarantine, you know, a week, two weeks before you even have it? Like, there's so many things to work out in that. It's just, it, it's going to be, I just, again, don't understand why the NFL, they would be so much better at doing that than leaving it up to the schools. You guys have any interest, and I guess we can talk about it next week, but Senior Bowl, I guess, is next week. There's a lot of Oklahoma guys down there. And it's going to be a, a huge day. You know, for Ramondre Stevenson and, and really, you know, uh, Ronnie Perkins too. I mean, per- is Perkins in it? Uh, no, he didn't graduate. No, no, no. You're right. Yeah. You don't have to graduate. Norwood, Brown, Hump, and, and Creed. Well, the and senior Trey, bowl, you've got to either be a senior or you have to graduate. Right. You had if you're an underclassman, you had to have graduated. Trey That's why Creed and Norwood. Yeah, and Ramondre guys, mentioned like he that. he'd gotten his degree. So, yeah. um. Yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, it's big for everybody. I mean, it's big for Trey Brown, especially without a combine, because we all thought, you know, that'd be where he really raised his stock is running a forty at the combine at Creed Humphrey. I mean, 
really those are, you know, just talking to coaches and stuff about that, where you really make your money is in the practices leading up to the games. And, I mean, Creed Humphrey will have an opportunity to go against a lot of defensive linemen, see where he's at. Adrian Ely uh, being on the edge, he'll be able to really, you know, improve his stock. Um yeah, you know, but Ramondre Stevenson, I would think, you know, in the game, that would be something where he could really, uh, I mean, you look at it, and obviously uh, Najee Harris is the is the headliner, and then uh, the guy that I'm not that high on, uh, that guy from Clemson, I won't say his name. Um, Son of a, I'm out. <laughs> Done. No, he was he was good. I mean, I, I I think I already said I was stupid saying that, so. He's a good player. Uh, and then I think Williams, the kid from North Carolina, is kind of being considered the number three back in the draft now. Uh, is, is Jared Patterson not getting a lot of love? I'm, I'm not really paying attention. So. From Buffalo. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I would think he would be getting a ton. Hang on. Let me, let me check WalterFootball.com. I'm going to go to the source for this kind of information. But, no, I mean uh, – yeah, Ramondre, Ramondre, according to CBS Sports, he's their fourth overall running back, 90, 91st overall player, and then followed by Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo at 93. Apparently, Mel Kuyper has him as a fullback, so. That doesn't shock me. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe there's it's a, Todd McShay, your boy. Hey, there's, a, there's, I, a better, there's a better chance that Joe Biden knows where he is rather than Todd. Uh, what, Mel Kuyper. Mel Kuyper. F*** Mel Kuyper. That guy's... I, I, I have... Kuiper is like Lee Corso. You have to accept him for what he is. Yep. I've actually come around where McShay doesn't bother me as much as he used to. But well, I you still, save all that I'm, hate I'm like, this for Lugan the... Bill. I mean, let's face it. Oh, God. You know, you, I was having such a good day, and then you had to drop that name in, and now I'm going to be upset all afternoon. It just, damn it. Well, we'll end on that, on Josh just quitting on the show. I'm I'm out. Do you and Bob want to stick around and have salt plan? Carry fire, Josh. Before we start, (laughs) you got your wish from Friday night. Damn it! What guys? One thing I did want to touch on was last weekend. I don't. I think it happened. Did we talk about Austin Uke last last week? Uh, yes, briefly. Did we? Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, we talked about his potential offer. Well, obviously the offer happened. Um. This is a guy that, uh, you know, you watch the tape, and, boy, there's a lot to like here. I mean, this is a really highly athletic guy. There's some Bobby Evans there, but I think he's a little little more athletic than Bobby, which is hard for me to say because Bobby's kind of always been one of my gold standards uh, in, in that particular regard. So, lean guy, he's going to need some time. He plays some small private school ball. I mean, he, he's not a plug-and-play guy or anything like that, which is pretty rare on the offensive line anyway. But this is a guy with a lot of upside. I am told Oklahoma is right there in the thick, kind of with Texas. With Stan- I know Stanford's a very big option for him, kind of for the same reasons we were talking about with Tyson Ford earlier. But um, OU- OU's gotten in late, but I, I think they're going to have a real chance at this as time goes on. Is he going to get a re-evaluation? I know that 5.5 r- rivals ranking is definitely going to ruffle some feathers. Oh, it's, I mean, it's, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, I, you know, that, and I'm not, I'm not digging on anybody at rivals because clearly a lot of schools were late on this too. I mean, he was, 
Where was he committed before? Holy I, Cross. For two months. Yes, yes. Holy Cross was going to have their first, you know, All American type player. I mean, and I don't want to put too much on him, but I mean, this is a this is a borderline rivals one hundred guy in my opinion on tape. I like him a lot, and um, it I, I I guys, I mean, I told you all along, OU's not going to make any more offers. I think it tells you what OU thought Tristan Lee was going to do, like. I mean, all of a sudden, now they've got a spot for this guy because he didn't put anything new on tape since since signing day. Nothing's changed, but they, they've decided to go that route. Uh, Josh Simmons, the offensive lineman from California, he's still kind of in play, but right now Austin's the only guy I know of that I think is, you know, absolutely a take in the 2021 class if he wants to come. Also, Josh, waiting uh, with bated breath to uh, see if Kamar Wheaton decommits from Alabama. <laughs> Why? I'm just waiting for the – every time Kamara Wheaton comes up, I'm just – I'm looking for a needle and a tie-off. I'm just going to put this thing to an end. <laughs> I could get you, in, uh, get you in good graces with a good needle guy if you need it. <laughs> You've got a needle guy. Of course you do. They call him Tommy Tuesday. He turns knobs. There's never been a better time to end the podcast than that, than right now. Um, all right. We appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll be back again next week and see what more craziness comes from the transfer portal. Is uh, it's Look, rejoice. Everybody's been on edge. We've been on edge. It's been a good week for Oklahoma. Good, good uh, Since Sunday, everything's been pretty good, about as good as you can hope. We'll see what kind of momentum the Sooners gain from here on out because uh, they don't seem like they – are just sucking anymore at acquiring people. Uh, all right, so thanks for listening. Thanks to deadsoxy.com. Go check them out. Remember, promo code BOOMER. Get 30% off your entire order. And we'll see you guys right back here next week on another edition of the Unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com.